Buffs Nation. All right, what's happening? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. How about them Buffs? 2-0 on the season, just beat Nebraska. And what was a great rivalry game? I'm Tyler Walgie. He's Jared All. Jared, how are you this week? What an environment that game was. I've never seen anything like it in Boulder. A lot, lot of fun. Buffs get the win uh, against Nebraska at 36-14. It felt like 40. I, I was watching the Joel Clapp podcast. I like that uh, new show. He said it felt like more like 42-7. I agree, right? Nebraska didn't score till the very end of the game. Buffs, and it was kind of a fluky thing anyways, right? It was a turnover from the Buffs that led to it. Yeah, so a bunch of a bunch of backups were yeah, in. Yeah, backups were in. This is yeah. that that's that garbage touchdown, you know. You don't mind giving that up though as a coaching staff because it gives you some <laughs> some fuel, you know, to get after your guys. It, it was personal as they said, but uh, we're going to recap that game go over next week where uh, CSU comes to town, a rare game in Boulder between the Buffs and the Rams. But starting off with <clears throat> starting off with last week, as we said, Buffs get the win 36-14. And look, it, it was, I think, one of the better turnouts that I've seen the last couple decades for Colorado fans. When Nebraska comes to town, we know those bored Nebraska fans who don't have any other activities to spend money on or go do things, they will fill the stands as much as they can. And Tyler, I know last time Nebraska was in town, you had some unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, my car broke that, down. That led to you not making <laughs> the game. But honestly, uh, I was afraid. I was afraid going into this game because last time Nebraska was here, I would say 80 to 90% of oh that God. stadium was red. Yeah. I mean, you were... Well, Jared, you, you felt out of place. They love it. They get off on that. I, I was, uh, you know, we are friends with other podcasts, other, other networks on this, uh, on the show. And I know that some Nebraska fans, they were talking about, uh, yeah, they're saying it's going to be a Colorado home game. Are we sure about that? Like, they love that, right? They they absolutely relish in coming here and honestly going other places and filling the stadium red. I love the fact that a lot of fans didn't sell their tickets. Season ticket season ticket holders didn't sell their tickets. I was telling Allie, my wife, at the game because she's relatively new at the Colorado scene, only only the last couple of years. That was to me like a normal conference game. Now I know it was still packed, but when we play, you know, in in, in the Pac-12, when you play like Oregon or whoever, I mean, maybe not USC, but Utah, it's it's a lot of red in that state in that section. And honestly, red just kind of pops well, out. And, and like, it, it's easy to identify red. If there's a couple people red in the section, it looks like more than it really is. And there is the built-in section at Folsom for right. the opposing fans, right? So, and it's it's funny. I've heard a lot of the people that were uh, watching the game from home said, "Man, when they're showing that set uh, before the game, when they're in the stadium, um, the the angle that they're at, it, it shows well, a lot of red." But and, hold on, and it's, it's literally looking directly at the opposing. But section. It's, not, it's not just that. When I went, uh, I went back and watched. <laughs> I came back home and watched the game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I wish I would have recorded it. I wasn't smart enough to do that. I went on Fox. Well, you know, uh, Fox records their own game. So if you go to like the Fox Sports app, you can rewatch it. At least anything. Yeah, I on love Fox. technology. Yeah, right. So I came back home and I watched the game again that night. And you know what's funny is it looked a lot worse on TV. Okay than it really was at the game. At the game, it didn't look that bad at all, normal. On TV, it popped out a little bit more. But I was really happy with the red. I wasn't happy with what happened pregame. Did you see the Nebraska team go up on, on the Buffalo in the middle of the field? You know, I missed that. I may have been caught up in the concession lines as this was happening. It was it was tough. It was tough. Actually, quick story, as I was uh, leading up to the Ralphie run, I may have upset some people that were standing, you know, in the the the, the pass between the two levels, the first level and second level, where yeah, everyone's yeah, walking yeah. back and forth. 
Yeah, I, I got caught coming out of the bathroom, and I may have thrown a few bows to make sure I got oh, back no. in my seat so I could see Ralphie run. I wasn't missing Ralphie run, not for the first one, but it was so jam-packed. I couldn't move. We weren't moving. It was just like we were we were herding cattle here, man. So I had to be like the uh, you know the border collie that jumps over all of the cattle. I had to get to my seat. I had to make it back there. Uh, well, you don't want to miss Ralphie run, you but you probably should have gone to the bathroom yeah, earlier than that. You Jared. asked a question, though. I got distracted. Where were we at? The Nebraska teams standing on the Buffalo. Yeah, so I missed that and I've you know, I've heard some mixed things as to Well, Shadur Sanders in his post game brought it up. Yeah, and and well, and I know that uh what Matt Rule has come out and says they were they were praying at the center of the the field. I, I, I what what is Shadur Sanders saying? Well, Shador Sanders just said that he saw them standing on the Buffalo. I don't really care what Matt Rule says, and it's hysterical. Matt Rule has really rubbed me the wrong way. What a loser. A couple months ago, he has nothing but bad things to say about Coach Prime and this and this and this team and this program. Not the way to do it. Doing it's it not the, how you win. Doing it the wrong way. How that how can how dare he do that to those kids? When in fact, Nebraska was the second team in the transfer portal, bringing as many kids in, but that wasn't mentioned. And Matt Rule had nothing but negative to say. And guess what? The Buffs look pretty good week one, and Nebraska has to travel after they look pretty bad, or, you know, pretty average week one, and then he starts playing nice. And he starts talking nice. Oh, those Buffs, those Buffs. I don't like Matt Rule. I don't, if, look, I don't mind if you're going to say something. It's a rivalry. I don't care if you go out there, but if you try and backtrack back, and back, 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 oh, it's ridiculous. So Matt Rule, I lost a lot of respect for him this week and what he did with the team, and, and that's a perfect example. He's the kind of coach to bring his team out there in a – an attempt to be intimidating, try and establish dominance, home field advantage, and then paint it as, oh, we were just out there praying. It's like, give me a break, dude. So everything this coach does, and by the way, he's not even that great of a coach. Go back and look at his record. He's, he's really done average to below average most places he's gone. I know he had a lot of run at Baylor. No, he's an average coach, and he I, I don't have a lot of respect for him. Well, and something just to be clear, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I can on this situation that I, there, there's nothing we're saying at all having any issue a team coming together and praying before the game. If no, that's no. that's what you want to do. I would love to know what their regular routine is because I don't imagine that at an opposing stadium they regularly go out in the middle of the field on the logo and do well, we I think it was they an attempt, have, regardless yeah. of what you were doing, it was an attempt to stir things up with this Buffs team. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And look, that's my whole problem with Matt Rule is he wants to he's just a pho- he's just a phony. He's someone who wants to act one way and then do something a different way. You know, he he wants to talk a bunch of crap, talk a bunch of smack to see you. Oh, and then pretend it's all okay. I didn't say that. He wants to bring his team out to the middle of the field. Oh, let's say we were just praying. Like he's so slimy, man. I don't I didn't I don't like it anyway. But look. It's a rivalry game. That's what that's what's going to happen. And I love the Buffs went out there and took care of business. Keep so, building this. Pe- keep building this rivalry. This needs rule. to be a game every single. What a loser. Year. Okay, uh, let's move on a little bit. I uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the rhetoric of is Coach Prime going to leave? You know, a lot of people are talking about after two games, should Colorado pay him more money? Is Texas A and M going to come swoop Coach Prime? Like, it's so funny what early success will do for this kind of spotlight on a program that's honestly not used to having this. So. What are your thoughts on Coach Prime and the talk of, is he going to leave? You know, it it scares the heck out of me, to be, if I'm being honest, right? You know, I mean, it's something I think we knew coming in, right? As Buffs fans, y- y- you kind of know that there's this possibility, right? Uh, where this program was... You know, in terms of it, it was a stepping stone program. We've seen that guys like Mel Tucker that did that 
through CU, right? Other coaches have done the same. So you get that. That that was always a possibility. Um, what I will say is I don't think anybody, myself included, expected this to come so fast. And I think a lot of it is is just relative to the day and age that we're in and how quickly things move. And I think just just honestly a testament to what primetime has done in this short period of time here to prove how he can do anything that he wants to flip college football on its head. So absolutely, I think a lot of teams are going to come calling this offseason. Texas A&M is probably one of them because I don't think Jimbo Fisher makes it through this season. But do you think it's legitimate? Do you think he's going to leave? Here's here's what I hope is, right? And this is, call this fool's hope if you want. I look at this and what we're seeing with all of this notoriety, all these big-time recruits, the top recruits in the country are calling up this coaching staff wanting to come visit CU. Uh, all of the TV, look at this. You got you know Big Noon kickoff last week, Big Noon kickoff this week. You're getting the ESPN game day out there this week. I mean, that is something that has never happened on this level yeah. in CU. So what it proves to me is... He doesn't need this to be a stepping stone. Deion Sanders can take this program very quickly in the next year or two to be everything that an SEC school is and then some in terms of money, in terms of viewers, in terms of recruiting and talent that is on your team. I absolutely believe he can do that with CU, and I think that he's proving that this year. Well, look, it just depends on what Dion wants, what Coach Prime wants. We can't get in his head. We don't know what his aspirations are. Maybe he wants to be an SEC coach. Maybe he wants to eventually go to a destination job, or maybe he's comfortable in Boulder. He wants to live here and stay here and build this team. I have no idea. I know he loves Rick George, and he's really you know appreciative of the opportunity Rick George gave him, but that's right now what I know about, about, about Coach Prime. Not too much else. I don't know what he's thinking with this. So all I can do is hope he stays for long, as long as possible. But I've always been in the, in the camp that I know he's probably – you know, going to eventually be elsewhere. I'm just glad that he's going to take CU up from where we were. Ideally, he's here for 20 years, man. Ideally, he finishes his career here. But if he's gone after a short amount of time, I just want everyone to know that I'm honestly, I'm not going to hold it against him. I'm okay with it. He's bringing CU up. He's doing what no other coach I think in the in the world could do, and I'm happy with this. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think that's a national storyline and a lot of people are going to talk about that let's focus and, and celebrate the good while we have it right one now. thing i do want to just before we move off of this i want to point out is is you kind of mentioned how he's he's lifting cu up and I, I think us fans need to appreciate that for as long as it's there but also the the boosters the you know the people that make decisions at the university see this See these moments. See what this is bringing to you and how important but, but, but here's it is. Because the reality is, is just because of, of what primetime is doesn't mean that this cannot continue if and when that does happen. You build off of this. You bring those things. But also understand, pay the man, do whatever the heck you have to do well, to give him everything possible. I don't know if maybe it's money. Him. Maybe it's it, not money. It is money. If it is money, then that's where they have got to figure out and see how much money they are bringing in as a result of this. And you pay this man whatever it costs to keep him here. And if it's not money things, if it's control, if it's whatever, he's a god, man. You let him do whatever you want to do, basically. I wonder what some regents like Jack Kroll have to say now that voted against this. And I know Jack Kroll, he's kind of like, he's got some of the Matt Rule gene in him. He's just kind of slimy. We're going to call it the Matt Rule gene. I like that. (laughs) You You don't want people like that on the board, at least me personally. Now you want balance but I don't think he's good for the university, even though what what Jack Kroll does, and you can look him up right now. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'll give this guy enough credit but or enough run. 
but he disguises it as love for the university. He says, no, no, no. This university is an academic institution. We need to fund science and research. None of this athletics for jocks. What are we doing spending money on these jocks? Like, that's what Jack Kroll thinks, right? And so you're right, Jared, when he looks at the bottom line and says, oh, look at all the revenue coming in. But I don't think people like Jack Kroll have that in their genes to, to admit they're wrong. I think he is slimy, and I don't think he's going to get there. But uh, I don't know. I hope that they do the right thing. I saw Jeremy Bloom started some kind of initiative to start donating. Yeah. That may be what it takes, a public donation fund. And honestly, I think it is. It's a commitment from the people who follow this this school and this university to to do that, stay committed. All right, let's get back to the buffs of 2023 and talk about uh, some notes from week one to week two, obviously getting the win week one at TCU. And then last week at home against Nebraska, a couple things. Uh, in week one, Savion Wilkerson had 13 carries. It was kind of that lead back, did a lot from the backfield as a running back. Last week, only one carry. Now, I don't think this is necessarily a huge negative for Savion Wilkerson. I think this is a good thing in terms of spreading the ball out. In week one, three running backs. Here, let me start that over again just so it's clear. In week one, three running backs carried the ball 34 times. In week two, eight running backs carried the ball 33 times, right? Eight backs, one less carry, spreading it out, getting a lot of guys reps. And that tells me two things. One, the talent's there to play that sort of, you know, by committee running back. And two, these guys are working hard because these coaches aren't going to give opportunities to players who aren't ready. So more players are working, buying in. I love what we're seeing from the backfield, a lot of versatility. And I think a lot of it, too, that I took from it, it was a little bit of feeding the hot hand, right? You know, Dylan Edwards was not super effective between the tackles running the ball in week one. Whereas you look at his, you know, at least from a stat line, I know some of this was a little bit later. They were a little slower getting going. But, I mean, he ends the day rushing nine carries 55 yards I mean that's over six yards a pop when you have your lead guy being effective you give the ball to him you maybe don't you know and I think when we look at last week they weren't effective they weren't effective they turned to Wilkerson he was hot they kept feeding him I like to see that in a coaching staff that can identify the guys that are playing well let's talk wide receivers because this offense obviously has uh, has been rolling we know what Travis Hunter can do how electric he is But Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn stepping up. How about the USF transfers? Now, for those who don't know, both Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn played at South Florida last year. They got on the the plane together, came to Boulder. This year, Jimmy Horn has 19 catches. Xavier Weaver had 16 catches. Xavier had 10 receptions last game for a touchdown. I think these two are going to be so electric this season combined with Travis Hunter. I mean, look, you start to say, oh, I see why Montana left. And I really wonder, in that spring game where they targeted Montana and he looked so good, what were they doing? Did they know he was going to leave? Did they think he was going to leave and said, you know, we really want a number four receiver who's got talent like Montana. You're not going to get that many targets. But if I'm Montana Lamonius Craig, you kind of see where he may have been coming from. And and it, it makes you wonder, and I'm just... I'm assuming a scenario here that I have no idea whether it happened. If maybe there was a conversation between this coaching staff and Montana before this spring game, kind of understood where both sides stood, and I think and they Montana, wanted to make look good. Yeah, saw what was in front of him, and maybe he had approached the staff prior to the game. And 
in good faith, they said, okay, let's feature him a little bit. Let's get him out there. Let's see that. I know that's a situation that has happened, that is happening in college football right now when guys aren't. You know, it's, it's kind of like in the preseason, right? You get that towards the end of preseason. You put guys out there to make sure that they're getting seen by other teams too because this is what you're in it for. This is what primetime and this coaching staff is here for is to develop these guys into successful young men. And, and if somebody has an opportunity to do that elsewhere, I, I, I think it's good. Uh, and honestly, I hadn't even thought about it until you just brought it up because that's where the level of this talent has been. That You don't even think about losing a guy like right. Montana, a guy that was going to be we thought was going to be so big on this team because of what these transfers have done. And these are two of the guys that came in, 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 in Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn, that had the most experience, that were playing the biggest football of a lot of the guys that came in. And I think it's showing early on. All right, let's get to the defense because something that was similar from week one to week two that really needs to improve, this defense is not getting to the quarterback enough. In uh, the first week of the season, no sacks. Last week, two sacks. And uh, Taj Alston, you know, he's kind of stepped up. And, I mean, last week he was the one leading at least, you know, the quarterback pressures and the sacks. But this is a perfect example of, I think, what we're, what we're going to see from the Buffs at least early in the season, first half of the season, of these names and these players who are stepping up out of nowhere. You know, we heard Coach Prime, uh, we've heard him several times say, you guys haven't even seen everyone yet. There's going to be players on this roster that are one by one stepping up, being ready, and emerging onto the scene. So I kind of like that from a week-to-week basis. But what I don't like is that we aren't getting to the quarterback. The buffs aren't pressuring and doing enough. And, you know, you, you, you may get away with that this week, but against Oregon, against USC, that's not going to fly. That's why we'll get to my three keys to the game. But I think quarterback pressures this week. It's got to be, it's got to be up there on the board. Yeah, and I will say, as, as we're learning what this defense is, how it's going to be stylistically, that has definitely stood out to me the first two weeks. They have not done a lot of blitzing. They have not brought a lot of extra rushers. In fact, they've, if anything, they've only been rushing three guys, four guys. That's tough. That's tough. If you have some big time playmakers, you see a lot of, de- you know, a lot of the best defenses. I, I look at, uh, you know, Clemson for about a half a decade. They had incredible defensive lines where you don't have to bring that extra pressure. It makes the back end of your defense so much better. So far, we're not seeing it. They, th- those three, those four are not getting after the quarterback. I'm curious to see if we see a little bit of a stylistic change and if they do start to bring more pressure, bring those linebackers, bring those defensive backs to try to create that pressure. If you own a business or know anyone who owns a business and want freelance work, check out Fiverr.com. Now, I highly recommend Fiverr for freelance work. I I am an owner of Woos Media. We do a ton of stuff here for website design, graphic arts. And it's like, yeah, you can call a company and hire a graphic artist and go through all the loops and pay the fees. It's nonsense. Or you can go get a graphic designer who eight times out of 10, they're ex-professionals or still current professionals just looking for side work. That's where you're going to find the bang for your buck and get great work done at a professional level. That's uh, Fiverr.com. Uh, go to the show notes, click on the link, and just sign up there. You can get a huge discount on your first uh, freelance experience. That's Fiverr.com. Go to the link in the show notes for a discount. All right, so let's get to it. CSU is coming to Boulder, which is rare. Do you know what happened in these negotiations? Because this year, it's in Boulder. Next season, it's at uh, Fort Collins. So was it part of the... So my understanding is it was when CSU built the new stadium that that was kind of one of the things they wanted this they wanted to have games the rivalry game at their new stadium I don't know what it's called in Fort Collins um and so that was kind of where the Rocky Mountain showdown the deal that was with 
uh, mile high sort of fell apart is because they wanted to take it to the home stadium. Uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly the details to it, but I think that's what's led it to now be at the home stadiums instead of at mile high. I'm so happy that CU's good when this is all happening. Yes. <laughs> and they have to cut because you know what would have been awful is if CSU came to Boulder and won. And I'm not oh. saying it's open and shut and CU's going to roll in there and get the win, but it's a lot better situation than it would have been just one year ago. And, and even three weeks ago. I feel better about this game <laughs> than I did three weeks ago because that was, honestly, that was one of those concerns you have, right? If things yeah. don't go right against TCU, even against Nebraska, does this start to un- unravel it all? And now you, it turns around, you you see what this team is building, what they're doing, and it, so quickly you want to look past it. Okay, okay. Hold on, though, because did you see... Did you see the pictures of Shador Sanders and Shiloh Sanders at a campus visit to CSU in 2018? No! (laughs) Oh, Jared. Oh, it kind of rips a little piece of my soul out. So the Sanders took a visit in 2018, I believe it was 2018, and you know what you do a visits? You try on on the gear. gear, Yeah. And so there's pictures out there, a lot of them, of Shiloh and Shador wearing CSU jerseys. (laughs) And it's just like, look, it's okay because you can't tell the future. I'm not going to – it's like that would be so stupid to hold it against them and be all upset. But it's it's weird. It's just this weird feeling, you know, because there's no – I was thinking, what's an analogy in life? And there's not a lot of other things because the college campus visit is so unique – that where you can go flirt with 10... It's almost like The Bachelor, right? It, you know what it would be? Here's here's the example I'll give you, is if you have a, a job or maybe you're interviewing for a job, they told you that we're going to give oh, you this job, good, yeah. and then they see you out at lunch with some other company interviewing for a job, it's right? kind of like that, I guess. You know? But here, but it, it, it would be like that if this happened at the same time, this right? This was in 2018. They had no idea. So it's just kind of it's it's funny in a way it's 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 just kind of weird in a way it's sort of bizarre I didn't know how to feel about it you're not angry you're not like oh because you don't want to you know that that's that's irrational and dumb but you also don't want to be like oh yeah no big deal you know it's just sort of like it's just strange it's just so weird I don't know hey, I give can't. them something to hold on to they had them there yeah. for a day they had the Sanders brothers there for a day yeah I don't even feel bad for CSU either. <laughs> um, one thing I'm going to look forward to in this CSU game is to see how the Buffs come out as a favorite. You know, these first couple of games, it's been us against the world. No one thinks we can do this. And this year, this week so far on the YouTube videos, I can see the messages, trap game. It's a trap yes. game. So this is a trap. So that's what Deion's saying. But I want to see how they come out and respond because it is human nature when you're the favorite to come out a little less hard. I mean, look, just think about everyone at home right now. Who's saying, what are you talking about? They're D1. They should come out 100% every game. That's not human nature. It happens in the NFL. It happens at the highest level. And it even happens at the lowest level. Like, think about us. Everyone listening right now playing street basketball. If you play street basketball against a good basketball player or someone who you know is good, you may take it seriously. You may. If you're going to play against your seven-year-old cousin, are you really going to be out there half hour before doing layups? Like, probably not. Right, so everyone does this. It's a human nature thing. Well, and it's like you love to see a team that can get up for a game like the Buffs did week one for TCU, right? Show how much you belong, right? Play with the big boys. But but it is so much easier mentally to get up for that 
than to get up for one where you feel like and everyone is telling you, all the people on the outside are telling you you should beat the crap out of this team. So how how do you not let that get into your head? Well, and again, I love watching the uh, YouTube videos. I like well-off media. It's probably my favorite. You get to see the, the locker room, what they're saying in, in the meeting rooms. And uh, Coach Prime, I love how he's talking about expectation. And he put the word expectation and the definition up on the board today. And he asked everyone, what's expectation, you know? And they went through it. And then at the end, he goes, okay, but hold on. What does expectation mean to you? Is it what you think of yourself or what other people think of you? And so I like the message. I like what he's doing. Coach Prime is doing such a good job on so many levels. The football level, the human level, the raising, you know, being around young men level. I just think he's so, you know, everyone thought that you're getting a celebrity. And okay, he's going to bring cameras. Oh, they bring in the Louie. This is an an elite, I think, head coach for what it takes to be a modern 2023 head coach. I'm not just saying that. I truly I, believe and, he and is. I, here, I'll take it a step farther to say that I think on the surface, people from the outside, right? I, I never knew Deion Sanders and who he was and what he was about aside from what I saw in the national media across his career, both as a broadcaster and uh, analyst and uh, as a player. But what we got and what the bus had and what he brings is elite leadership. He is a leader of men. He he pushes you in a direction you want to follow. He's got a great moral code and standard for himself and the people around him. And that's something you don't see with all the flash he puts out there for the national media to see. As Jerry Jones would say, he is a leader. He is a leader. Your, your uh, southern accent's about as as good as uh, as uh, what, what's his name from LSU? The, 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 the <laughs> Brian <laughs> Kelly. Brian Kelly. <laughs> Me and my family. My family. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go over Colorado State season so far. They had a bizarre week two by week. I don't I, understand. I, I that have scheduling. never heard of this before, and really it's not weird. like they played a week zero game. I could see, okay, you played week zero, maybe you take a bye during. Well, traditionally, but... what'll happen is if you go like overseas to Ireland sure. or have some weird game in Hawaii, you may have a week two bye. But I don't know. CSU just getting it out of the way early, and so the only game we have this year to go off of, of uh, Colorado State is their fifty to twenty four loss on the road to Washington State. Now, before you say. Huh, 50-24. I mean, that's a blowout, but that's not that bad. They put up 24 points. Well, it was uh, 29-3 going into the fourth quarter. It was 36-3 with 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and then everything kind of happened once the backups came in, the game got sloppy, and then CSU scored three of the last uh, five touchdowns. So overall, we don't know a whole lot about Colorado State. Now, I will say this. In public power rankings, from those who do a really good job pricing these games, doing a good job with the rankings, Colorado State's around 100 to 114 in the nation. The CU Buffs have risen from anywhere to 25 to 40 in the nation, depending on what... what well, in the AP Top 25, I know the Buffs are like 18, 18 now, but I'm yeah. talking about power ratings that are made to price these teams in the sports betting market, which honestly is probably going to be a little bit more accurate and fair to these teams, but I don't think that CU... Because there, there's two discussions. It's what's the intrinsic talent of these teams, and then there's the sport of college football, and where do you rank them? I think Colorado for sure deserves to be a top 25 in the sport of college football, but in terms of actual rankings, maybe a little bit lower than that right now. My point is, though, you look at what CSU has done so far, and I think Colorado lines up well all across the board. I can't find one area. Now, let's start off with CSU's offense against Colorado's defense. After week one, there were a lot of question marks about CU's defense as a whole. They gave up 45 points, or 42 points, excuse me, 
to a TCU offense with a lot of question marks. They lost seven starters on offense. They lost a ton of lettermen. No one knew what they're bringing back. And frankly, I think there's still a lot of question marks about that Horns Frog or that Horn Frogs offense. So question marks for the, for the Buffs defense after week one. And then last week, you come out and look really good against Nebraska. Maybe questionable offense. Now, I'm not so sure CSU has an offense better than Nebraska. That's sort of the question right now we're going to start, right? How good is this offense compared to Nebraska's offense? No way it's 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 as good, right? It has to be at least as good, if not worse. Yeah, it's it is tough to say. I mean, obviously they put up a little bit more production in, in their week one game than Nebraska has at, at any but, but, but again, they didn't score a touchdown until fourteen minutes thirty eight seconds in the fourth this quarter. Is, right. And that's where it is it makes it very difficult to go off of. Here's what I will say. I think that Nebraska offense is really bad. So to say that CSU is notably worse, I, I don't think I can go there. They may be a better offense. I think you have to go in with the expectation that this is a better offense because that Nebraska offense may well be the worst offense CU plays all year. Well, and, and I think that certainly may be the case, and it's how they play as well. And the Colorado Buffaloes, I believe, match up very well with this CSU with this uh, CSU offense. What do we know the bus to do very well right now on defense? Secondary. Right. That's, that's their second strength third is levels. the outside in he talked about building, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so you look at a team in CSU that in their first game, they threw the ball 44 times and ran it 20 times. That's a recipe for a team that wants to throw the ball. And we know this. Their coach, their offensive coordinator, the Rams have come out and said this. They want to be an aggressive team who goes downfield. I'm not, not sure if they have the personnel for it this year, but that's what they want to do. So I think the style of this game, unless CSU wants to flip a switch and run the football, which what well, they run it for 1.9 yards of carry in the, in the first week, they're not going to be able to, I don't think. So we, I, I believe that the, the buffs can force the Rams into being one-dimensional and kind of make things easier for them on defense. But make no mistake about it, the Rams are going to want to throw the football. Yeah, and I think they're going to have to throw the football to keep up with this Buffs offense, right? I mean, you look at what Washington State was able to do putting up 50 points against this team. Stylistically, Washington State it kind of has the same idea, right? The quick pace. We know they ever since gone all the way back to when Mike Leach was there. I mean, it's a, it's a team that likes to open it up, move quickly, a lot of scoring. That kind of matches what the CU Buffs in this season are, are, are trying to do. So I think that's kind of you, – you, you turn this into a little bit of a track meet, I think, in that sense, and and I think to, then you should ex- expect that CSU is going to have to throw the ball right. in order to keep up. Uh, Colorado State's top two receivers, Justice Ross Simmons and uh, Torrey Horton. Uh, Torrey Horton has nine catches so far. Justice Ross Simmons is second on the team with five, but I believe Ross Simmons is the bigger threat. He's averaging 25 yards a catch, and he's going to be that downfield target. So I think we see Travis Hunter a lot on Justice Ross Simmons lined up, that man-to-man, which I think this year so far, you look at the man-to-man that CU's played, whoever's been on the other side, it's been really, really exceeding my expectations so far. So I'm okay with whatever matchup we get, but I would assume we see uh, Hunter on uh, Ross Simmons. And, and something we saw from Nebraska that we didn't really touch on is uh, they, they had a little bit of a different approach uh, towards Travis Hunter than TCU did. TCU kind of challenged the buffs to see if Travis Hunter could do it. And I, <laughs> Bad I think idea. there was more of a focus from Nebraska on both sides of the ball to try to limit the impact that Travis Hunter could have. I expect we're going to see a lot of that as we continue to move forward in the season. I think that you know it'd be wise for CU to line him up across from their best receiver, who I agree seems to be this Justice Ross Simmons. He had the big 75-yard touchdown uh, in, in their opening game. So I think that 
by eliminating what he can do, that's great. If that means you take Travis Hunter out of your defense a little bit, but you're shutting down their number one player, that's a big time move for for the Buffs. Oh, look, that's just we're speculating here. They could they, there's a lot of different things that this uh, defensive coordinator can do, and I'm talking about Charlie Kelly, our defensive coordinator. But uh, is it Charlie Kelly? Are we going Charles Kelly? I'm going Charlie Kelly with it. Just go Chuck. We just no, not Chuck, Chuck Kelly. Chuck Kelly. I'm going ch- for all my always sunny fans out there. We're going Charlie Kelly. Charlie with Kelly. It, but, Charlie. No, I, I honestly, I don't have any real concerns. I think this defense is. This actually is where I think the defense can gain some confidence. Yeah, fine tune, fine yeah. tune some things. Get right? after the court. Work through some of these things. What is it that's plagued you so far? What are you struggling with? Maybe it's some reads. Maybe it's some different things that different players are missing. Get out. Get a little bit more of a rotation of guys in there as well. I think this is an opportunity to do that. But but also. An opportunity to to really shut a team down. I would really like to see this defense come out strong early and not not let this be a game that, that CSU stays in early. You know, shut them down those first three or four drives. Let the offense go put some points on the board and give yourself some cushion to then be able to work through some of those things. All right, let's now get to the Colorado State defense against our Buffs offense. If you want to bet this game and other college football games, I would check out betteredge.com. Here's the reason. You know that pesky minus 110, that house edge that nobody can beat? Better Edge has gotten rid of it. Seriously, you can start betting today risk-free with Better Edge. Now, it's a different experience. It's more. It's kind of like buying and selling stocks, right? It's, it's a different interface, different experience, but I guarantee you're going to love betting without the risk. Now, here's the perk. Here's the great thing. If you sign up today or just sign up whenever, put in promo code BUFFS, you get 20 free bucks. So you don't even have to deposit a dime of your own money. Sign up at Better Edge. Put in promo code BUFFS. Get a $20 free dollars. Run that up. Cash it out. See how you like betting. Risk-free today. That's BetterEdge.com. Promo code BUFFS. All right. CU's defense against the Buffs offense. Now, I don't want to make today's whole show. I'm not too worried about this. But I go back to all the units. Offensive line against their defensive line. Even how are these tight ends going to run against some of these linebackers or maybe you know, bigger safeties or corners who may guard them. And on the outside, how's Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weave, or Travis Hunter going to do? I don't see one spot where this offense won't have an advantage. Now, that's not saying, again, the Buffs are going to come out and easily score 70. What that's saying is there's more opportunity to work on what they need to work on this game in order to make things right going forward. Now, we'll get to my keys to the game here coming up, but I think, Jared, without kind of ruining one of my keys or, 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 or throwing anything away here, that you've got to win, but you don't want to put too much on film, right? It's about getting it done the right way so you don't hurt yourself moving forward. You don't want to run a whole bunch of your trick plays against the issue. Well, and for those who, who don't uh, or haven't peaked forward on the schedule, a couple of big ones coming up after this one. Probably the two biggest games of the season, the Buffs go what, at Oregon. What does Jim Carrey say on Dumb and Dumber? That's a big one right yeah. there. You're going to want to hang Two, on to that. 250,000. <laughs> I want to hold on to that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, so you go at Oregon and then USC at home. Probably possibly the two biggest games of the season and and really the two biggest chances for CU to prove where they truly fit in the pecking order of the Pac-12. So, as as you mentioned, like the the coaching staff talked about a, a very big trap situation, right? Even coming off of a 
arguably bigger rivalry in Nebraska. Sure. Yeah. You're coming to the little brother. It's sort of easy to let down. So I think this is the moment to, yes, step up, really do that. But as you mentioned, you, you don't want to show everything. So I think it's it's important for this offense to be efficient. Don't waste plays. Don't waste drives. Right. Get out there and score early so that you don't have to dig into the playbook. Well, and I think the buffs actually can find a lot through the air. Now, remember Washington State, the only game CSU's played so far, the Cougars rushed the ball 37 times, but only gained 2.4 yards per rush. The Rams actually showed a really good ability to stop the run. Now, let, let's talk about Washington State for 30 seconds. They open up 50-24 against CSU. Week one, get the win. Then, Wazoo comes out and beats Wisconsin the second week of the season. On the road, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, no. It was, it was in Wazoo, okay. but they were a touchdown underdog. So Wisconsin was you know expected to go in there and take care of, uh, take care of business. The Cougars won at home, rushing the football pretty well. So that tells me this Rams defense, they're not going to be too bad at stopping the run. But that's okay because this Buffs offense is not necessarily predicated on running the football to have success. Now here's the downside of this. This could have been the one opportunity or the opportunity early in the season for these running backs and offensive line to gain some confidence. And you know what? I, I'm going to sit here and say it still is. It still is because that's where when you are a markedly better team, you have that opportunity to do that. Let's try to work through that. And you know what? You go through the first quarter and it's not quite working. Stick with it. Keep going, right? It's okay because likely you're still in the lead. Now, you obviously don't want to just look past this. Think we don't have to put everything into it. But to maybe lean on something that in the Oregon game, you'd have to go away from. Hey, we're, this isn't working. we got to go away from No, let's keep working through some of these things so that you can feel like you're as sharp as you can be going into conference play. Uh, Jack Howell and Henry Blackburn seem to be the two leading uh, tacklers this season for CSU. At least I think that that's where they'll finish. Henry Blackburn, two tackles for loss, led the team week one, so you're going to want to keep an eye on him. But overall, like I said, I believe it's important for the Buffs to run a versatile offense, come out and do a lot of different things, get this offense going, kind of like Jared said, and I believe that there is an opportunity to gain some momentum and some confidence this game. So go out there and uh, do whatever you can to do that. Okay, here's my three keys to the game for the Buffs. Now, every week we talk about the three keys. And I put, put you know, I feel like a lot of shows are generic with this or like with their keys to the game. It's like, all right, no, no, I can't turn the ball over. I want to come up with three unique things for every game the Buffs are going to have to do to win. So I've got my three for this game. My number one key to the game is the Buffs have to have a fast start slash dominate. Right? I think those two are kind of one and the same, or they're going to go together. This is really important for the Buffs to come out as a favorite, 23-point favorite at home, and take care of business. I want to win by 23 because that's what a top 25 team should do, and I don't want the rhetoric to be, oh, boy, Buffs struggled. You know, how, how are they doing? Are they being exposed? Are they, you know, and, and all that will start because everything's going to be magnified, magnified with the Buffs. When they win, it's going to seem bigger than it is. When they lose, it's going to seem a lot worse than it is. So I think a fast start, Take Colorado State out of the game. Don't give them a hope is key, and then keep it going through the second, third, and fourth quarters and dominate. So to me, I know it's kind of broad, but I think that's my first key. They got to start fast and then dominate. Yeah, show up to play, right? Don't don't show up like it like you've been looking past us. Show up to take care of business and get out of there, right? We want to see the we want to see stop in there in the second half, right? Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah, we saw last game. Um, okay, my second key to the game, and I kind of mentioned this earlier. Win as vanilla as possible. Let me tell you, folks, it's a very real thing 
each week of the season, even in the NFL, the more you put on tape, the harder it is to win later. That's why coaches like Bill Belichick, I, I, uh, I've i read a couple books on Bill Belichick and, and the way the Patriots do things. They have a like a movie script, right? For every game of the season, here's what we're going to do here. Here's what we're going to bring out here. Here's a surprise for week five. Here's a twist for week 13. They set it up so going into the playoffs, they presume they're going to be there every year. At least with Tom Brady, they did. So they have a bunch of fresh stuff for the playoffs, right? They knew they're going to position themselves. And here's what else they did. Bill Belichick was so smart and so ahead of his competitors, other coaches. Late in the season, they would actually go off script and do things to muddy up the data, right? If New England's a team that likes to run the ball in fourth and one, maybe they do three fourth and ones in a row where they throw the screen pass just to kind of mess with the other team. So they're always thinking ahead. I think that's something Coach Prime has, right? I believe that Coach Prime is actually a lot more Saban and Belichick than people give him credit for. So I believe that starting this game and playing this game as vanilla as possible is only going to help the Buffs in the future. And if I would rather have the Buffs play a very, very vanilla game and win by 15 or 14 compared to showing a lot of their stuff and winning by 40. That's what I think. Yeah, I actually really agree with that. I think it is more important to not give Oregon and USC more to go off of, in particular Oregon obviously being the first one they play. There's... There's only a couple of games out there, right? So far on the bus. There's such limited film on what this team is capable of. I absolutely believe this coaching staff has been holding back and what different wrinkles they can add in, both offensively and defensively. This is not the game to do it. You keep everything close to the chest on this one. Okay, and then my third key here, finally, uh, and this may not be very conducive for the matchup. So I want to hear what you think about this because we kind of talked about it, but I think this is the game, the only game, where you have a real shot to get both lines going. We've heard all year about, how about this offensive line, some holes, now the injury is center, what's going to happen with this offensive line? Defensive line, no sacks, two sacks the second week, can they keep up? This is a chance to get both offense and defensive line confidence, statistics, that's the one, get them on the freaking stat sheet, going in to the hardest two-game stretch on the schedule. That's imperative, I think. So the, the matchup may not call for it, but that would really be big, in my opinion, to get the O-line, D-line going. And if you could do it in a matchup like this, even better heading forward. Uh, and I'm going to lean heavier on the defensive line in this game in, in terms of importance in my mind because really what I'm going to say is, who's that playmaker? We have not found out on the front four, front five of this defense, who is that playmaker? Who's that guy that you can lean on when you need a play, you need a stop? They have not found that yet. I want to see that guy show up in this game. Offensively, I think there's a lot that you can do just strategically and how you run this offense to take some of the pressure off that O-line. There's not a whole lot. If that defense doesn't get after the quarterback short of blitzing, putting yourself in a bad position on the back end, there's not a lot a coaching staff can do if they cannot get after the quarterback. All right, let's get our score predictions. Every single podcast, we re- we uh, end the show by giving our score picks with uh, kind of how we think this thing is going to go. So I'll start. I think the Buffs are going to win 47-16. to 16. I think this offense gets going early, like I said, and keeps going. And even if the backups come in, I think it's important for this team to gain the confidence from a dominance point of view. Coach Prime's always preached dominance, dominance. This is your chance to come out as a favorite, 23-point favorite, and impose that will. So I think 47-16 is fair. Maybe CSU gets a late score. The Buffs show up at home in front of their fans. It's a blackout, by the way. It's 8 p.m. I don't know if we mentioned that. 
8 p.m. on Saturday night. That's a late game. That's sure getting is, close yeah. to my bedtime, man. Like, I considered getting a hotel in Boulder because we li- I live in Centennial. Jared lives way closer to Boulder than I do. But it's about an hour drive, with about an hour 15 with no traffic for me. With traffic, it's a couple hours. Okay, so let's be honest. This but I looked at a hotel, and they were like 500 bucks up there. It's so expensive for a hotel. Oh, yeah. No, unreal. Oh, unreal. Yeah. Uh, so this is a conversation I had with the guys that I, I have tickets with is... I mean, it's it's cool if we leave like mid third quarter, right? No, that's no. no. Is that no. is that not not this season, man? No. It's not okay because normally that's not. just that's it, right? You're like, ah, we'll just we'll yes. dip out like mid third quarter. Uh, normally, fine. that's be part fine. of the plan. Like, I will leave it at that's, no. That, that's, no, that's rough. That's you can't rough. leave this year though. All if right. you can't make it, give the tickets away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, not. To any CSU fan, obviously. Oh, I think that goes yeah, without saying. Yeah, that yeah. goes without saying. A little bit tougher, though. There's a few more Does of those. Do you have the many fans who want to go to the game anymore? Depends on where you're at in Colorado. It's to be a Rams fan yeah. these days. <laughs> um, okay, you mentioned dominance, right? Uh, I, I think primetime wants to prove a point in this game, both in terms of what this team is capable of and, and also, uh, you know, proving that they, you know, a 23-point spread, they're gonna win by twenty. I, I think that's in his it. head. I think he wants to prove that. I think you're gonna see a very high scoring output from the Buffs. I like them to score fifty seven points in this game. I think inevitably you're gonna end up giving up a few points there, but I like it as a twenty one point allowance from the defense. So I like them winning fifty seven. 21 in this game. Awesome, man. I love it. By the way, producer Ryan was out today. He is on the road on assignment, as they say in the in the sportscasting world. So he'll be back next week. Let's go, Buffaloes. Take care of business at home against the CSU Rams. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation podcast.